This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Again, great to have all of you here. We got a bunch of first-time people. Just, just thank you for joining us today in, in this worship service. And, and, and what we're looking at today is the idea of a of, of vocation, right? We have a job and we have a vocation. Sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not. And vocation is this. A vocation is a call. A call of our heart. Please listen carefully to this. And you'll see people like taking notes on their phone if you're here for the first time. This is one I take a note on. There is something in your life that wants to be. There is something in your life that wants to be. And that's what this series, Let Your Life Speak, is about. There's something, I think, in all of our lives where, yeah, there's, there's just something I want to be. I, I, you know, the, those first two songs, sort of, yeah, I feel like I'm walking alone. And, 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 and then there's this dream part, and, and I feel sometimes caught in the middle, and I want to live more into the dream. And maybe this series is about this single word, this single word, permission. Permission to think it. Permission to say it. And maybe in ways that God can bless to do it. This series we're looking at has these different sections to it. We started last week with, we are born with a gift. And so we talked about holding that gift. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. I'm going to have you say the last word there, the W word. This week we're looking at the fact that our path will... Well, wind, it's not going to be a straight thing. I mean, I, I, I think sort of we, we suffer, please listen carefully, hopefully you can get this, hopefully I can explain it so you can get it. We suffer under the tyranny of American Idol. And what that means, I think, is that, look, I have a vocation, and I'm just going to go up, I'm going to sing in front of the judges, and there it will be. And then I'll be Kelly Clarkson, da-da-da. It's not how it really works. You know, for most of us, you know, the path winds. We, we come into vocation over a lifetime. And from a new church perspective, we live into it to eternity. It's, it's this thing that, that, that is our heart, our swelling heart song that continues to grow and grow and grow. Next week, we're looking at there will be a moment. In the final week, you will come to know it. And your life, your life will speak. The story we've been looking at to to sort of start to parse this apart is the story out of the book of Exodus. So if you did bring a Bible, we're looking at Exodus chapter 2 today. In Exodus, you know, the the, the background to this story, it's a story about an enslaved people. And again, I realize we have first-time attendees. Probably some of you have no, you know, you you don't know all the stories of the Bible. That's fine. A lot of our congregation, we we come to church in new ways, and that's fine. So I want to give you a little background. The story of Exodus is about a story of an enslaved people. They've been taken out of what is currently the the land of Israel, currently Israel today. They'd been taken down into Egypt as a conquered people, really common at that time. They were enslaved by these taskmasters. They were asked to build things and do things. And and, and eventually, it comes time for freedom, like that that human human thing to, to, yes, we must be free. And that's where God taps someone on the shoulder, says, you've got to lead these people. Now, here's Bible trivia for you. For those of you who were here last week, the person who he taps on the shoulder and says, you have to lead these people, we're going to say it to count of three. His name was one, two, three. His name was Moses. Now, if you haven't heard that name before, you probably heard it with with other things, but, but that's where that name comes from, the name Moses. 
And, and his, his story is about coming to this vocation, like, like our lives, our path of wine, and we come to a moment where all of a sudden it crystallizes, and that's where we're going through the, through the part of this series. And it crystallizes with this statement. I'm going to have you repeat it after me. Let, let my people go. That's where it all of a sudden becomes really clear what his vocation is. He has a vocation of freeing these people from their enslavement and leading them into the promised land. It's a beautiful story. And we can look at it, yes, historically, but we can also look at that in our heart. That part of us that is enslaved and that, that part of us that is Moses that, that God sort of taps on the shoulder and says, yep, yeah, it's time for you to come out of bondage. It's time for you to see the world a little bit differently. And that's a beautiful thing when we reach that point. Now, now the story starts with Moses being, being born, and it's, it's a time of, of a lot of oppression where the Egyptians are oppressing these, these enslaved people. His mom goes and he hides. She hides the baby because she's worried the soldiers will destroy the baby. So, so she hides the baby. The baby Moses is actually found by an Egyptian princess. And then he's raised to become a young man. Again, he's raised under the house of Pharaoh. He's raised as an Egyptian, even though he's from these, this subjugated people. And that's where we pick up today's story, which I want to read. This is from Exodus 2. We're on verse, verse 11 here. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. A lot of it was, was brickwork, actually, when you read the full story. He saw an Egyptian guard beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, glancing this way and that, seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew, your fellow tribesman? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did has become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but, and then it goes to these two words, but Moses fled, Moses fled. So, so Moses, Moses sort of runs away from all this. He runs away. And you have to remember, like, like with, this, with this picture of, of, of Pharaoh, that, that, that Pharaoh, you know, this was a man of this was incredible power at this time. I mean, there was nothing more powerful at this time. Moses was raised within that. He had safety. He had comfort. Uh, he had a known future. He had gotten the golden ticket, so to speak. But somehow he knew that wasn't his life call, that his life call was about freeing this subjugated people. And his story, no doubt, was written when he was a teenager. And he starts to come alive more and more and more and more to this mission. It comes to this event, this catastrophic event, this turning event, and Moses flees. He flees for his life. Now, here's a question for you. Have you ever felt in your life like you lost the plot? <laughs> ever felt in your life like you lost the plot? I mean, you can just imagine, like, Moses' life, you know, this life going through, and it's just following this incredible script, and then all of a sudden, this other thing happens, and it's like, wait a minute, you gave me the wrong script. This isn't what it was supposed to be. This isn't how it was supposed to go. So he flees. 
Now, as the band comes out, as the band comes out, I want you to think, like, well, what do we do? Like, vocationally, what do we do when we sort of feel like we've lost the plot? Some of you in here know exactly what that feels like, what that is like. You come here feeling like, yeah, you know what? I feel like I've lost the plot. I've lost the script. I don't quite get it. I'm just, I don't get it. Feeling like I've just fled something. When we come back after this song, I want to talk about, well, how is it that we can find that plot again, allowing our path to wind, keeping true to who we are, coming more and more into who God intends us to be? Beautiful song, and that, that idea like where we, where we get clear that like we never really are strong enough. God is. And that surrender that's part of that. And, and you can imagine, it's probably not what Moses was feeling at the time as he's literally fleeing for his life. But there are ways that we can start to sort of take a breath, back up a minute, and start to think about, yeah, how do we navigate our lives? When we're trying to come into that purpose, when we're trying to come into that dream, and we feel like we've just lost the plot. I, I, I think this story gives us some really insightful bits of a question, a, a key question that kind of we can frame and, and start, to, start to use it as a listening process because vocation is about listening. I want to say that over and over again. Vocation, finding your call, is about listening. It's not doing the American way, which is about doing. This is a listening exercise. It's something that's much quieter, much slower, and I believe takes time. So it gets to this question here. Are we going to listen to facts or wisdom? Which one of the two? Now, I want to start out by, by just talking about facts for a minute and talking about how, how kind of facts work in our lives and what's, what's good about them, what's bad about them. I'm going to step over here to talk about facts. So the facts of our life, you know, kind of they're, they're like that Pharaoh piece. They're, they're, the, they're the information, what, what we quote unquote know to be true. And, and we're raised with it. And, and again, facts are really important. Facts are really important. But the challenge is, some of the time, our biggest challenge is what we know. And what we do is we get a St. Ignatius, we'll call it, we develop this. We develop a disordered attachment to the facts. In other words, we become so consumed with just the facts that we, we really start to miss the bigger picture. Now, now, here's an example for you folks of that. If we could go back to the, the Pharaoh picture there. Uh, you know, if, can we go back to the Pharaoh picture there? I, I want you folks to pull out your cell phones for a minute, right, if you have them. Take a picture of Pharaoh there. All right? Take a picture. No flash, please. It will blind me and I'll fall into the pit of despair down here. Just kidding. If you want to use flash, go wild. Now, now I, want to, I want to talk to you about this for a minute, you know? We have one of our parishioners brought his dad, Walt, here today, right? And a lot of you brought parents here today. A lot of you are my age, so this will make a lot of sense. I just asked you to take a picture with a phone. 30 years ago, what would that have sounded like for me to ask that question? Would that sound crazy? Can we go crazy really loud? Crazy. crazy. I mean, it's what are you saying? Picture with a phone? I grew up in the country. I grew up with a party line. Do you know what that is, kids? 
It's not like you all got on. It's when you went in, you need to make sure that the 20 other neighbors weren't using the phone at the same time. If you watch the Waltons, you get an idea. I mean, crazy, right? So imagine those people totally consumed with the facts, totally like just the facts. Facts are phones are for calling. Pictures with a phone, you're crazy. So you see where we can get that disordered attachment and that disordered attachment to the pharaohs. And remember, pharaohs, what was their main, and some people have said like maybe the Egyptians, maybe the Hebrew slaves actually helped build this. I don't know, maybe. But, but their most powerful form, their most powerful form, hint, powerful form of power that they had for everybody to see were the pyramids. Pyramids are tombs. You didn't get that, did you? Pyramids are tombs. They're places where we bury dead things. And, and our facts can become like that. Now, now again, that's, that's not to say that, that facts aren't important. They really are. Like, you need to have facts. You need to have knowledge. It's a good thing. Like, you need to spend time under Pharaoh. You need to spend time there. And then there's going to be a time to start to break away to start to do things in a different way. It may mean changing jobs, it may not. I want to keep coming back to that. I, the, my biggest fear, and I say this over and over again, we have a first-timers here, so I want to say it again. My biggest fear is getting a call from someone's wife right after church that their husband has quit their job and is moving to Nepal. You know, I, talk to me first. Okay, let's take it one step at a time. But it is about that vocation bit. And that vocation, I'm going to step back over here. That vocation is about wisdom. It is about wisdom. And listen to this cool definition. I would take a note on this. I don't, don't have it up there on a slide. From a new church perspective, from a Christian new church perspective, wisdom is the form that love takes. It can be facts. It cannot be facts. But important to say, wisdom is the form that love takes. When we can start to get that, we can start to see that, 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 that fact thing versus that wisdom thing. We start to see it a little bit differently. And maybe I can start to slide my life to regain the plot. I can be aware, yeah, there are facts, but I don't want to be too attached to that. I want to know it, be attached to some of them that are very important, I would imagine. But also start to talk about wisdom. What is the form of love that my life is being called to take? What is it in me that is seeking to be? This is, I want to share with you an incredibly beautiful quote. I love words. I love words. I love words. And this, this, this author, Parker Palmer, a Christian Quaker who worked very locally at Pendle Hill, uh, he wrote these words, and I think they're so true and they're so accurate for what we have to think about. I'm very clear for myself, the tighter we cling to the norm of effectiveness, the tighter we cling to the norm of effectiveness, the smaller and smaller tasks we will take on. Because they are the only ones with which we can, which, which you can be effective. There has to be a standard that trumps effectiveness. Isn't that interesting, right? That's the word faithfulness. Am I being faithful to my own gifts? Am I being faithful to the needs I see with, around me within my own reach? Am I being faithful to those points at which my gifts might intersect those needs in some life-giving way? That's where you can really start to see the beauty of wisdom, where we're not all consumed about effectiveness, where we start to understand wisdom in a, in a much broader way. I remember a, a few years back, you know, I, I, uh, I was at a wedding, 
And I was talking to someone, and a young adult, you know, we have a very young adultish con- uh, congregation. This was somebody who, was, who came to a wedding, and he was, he was saying sort of remorsefully, you know, how his dad said he would only pay for, a, I think it was an accounting degree or a business management degree, and that was it. You got to be careful with that kind of stuff. You know, and, and uh, yeah, you know, you, you do have to think about career. You do have to think about those pieces. But if you become consumed with effectiveness, the tasks you take on get more and more narrow because that's all you can do. Does that make sense? You know, I, I, I hope that resonates a little bit. Like it, it sort of shrinks us in. And the bigger question is faithfulness. And it's a great quote by Mother Teresa that I use a lot. Mother Teresa said, look, God never asked us to be successful. He asked us to be faithful. Faithful to that gift. I mean, if Moses wanted to be successful, he should have stayed in Egypt. So I want to talk about, about three questions here. I think that can, that can start to, I hope, that can start to get you listening for what that answer might be, no matter what your age is, or no matter what stage you're coming here with. I think these are really important questions. Again, these are the kinds of things that we will look at in the small group after. You know, you're welcome to talk a little bit about with Angela. She goes over our program over across at the office. Or just simply have a conversation with a loved one sometime this week. That's how important these are. So I'm going to step over here. So here are the three questions that Parker Palmer puts forward. The first one is, am I being faithful to my own gifts? And, and, and I think of that as like, okay, so you have gifts inside. Am I being true? Now, now, some of you probably have done carpentry work, right? If a board is true, if I say, yeah, that board's true, what is it? Straight. So I think it's just kind of like, are things straight? Are things aligned? All right, so that's the first step. Am I being faithful to my own gifts? And then we have to sit with the second question. I think we have to take time to sit literally with each of these three. Then the second question, am I being faithful to the needs I see around me within my reach? So, so I look like, is it true? You know, do, is, is the board, is the, is the sort of the alignment there? And then we have sort of a, a galaxy of needs arrayed out there. And then we have to ask ourselves, okay, am I being true to those needs, those things that are within my reach? That idea, we are called to heal, but we're called to heal the worlds in which we touch, the worlds in which we are placed in. An example, folks, this is a beautiful example. I was listening to somebody talk about vocation, and this is somebody who's become a a big uh, bird conservation person, and some smart aleck knows the name for that. I don't. Um, You know, there's a big term for that kind of person who studies birds, Right? And he said he had sort of this global, global concern about the environment. Sort of like, I want to be environmentalist, but it was so big out there that he was constantly being depressed because there was nothing specific. It's just like, oh, I know there's global warming. I know there's this challenge, but it was way too big for him. And then you know what he did? Listen to this. He fell in love with birds. In other words, out of that whole galaxy of stuff, he started realizing that with binoculars, he could start to count birds, and he's, he's become very famous in his field. In other words, this, this thing that was so global that he couldn't grab a hold of it, all of a sudden got handles or wings. And it finally made sense to him. This is what he could do. He could take care of birds. That's what this is talking about. And then the last one, a beautiful line. Am I being faithful to those points at which my gifts might intersect those needs in some life-giving way. So here's where we look at the galaxy, and there's a lot of things we could do. This, this is the little piece that I can do. 
So we have, we know what our true gifts are. We, we understand what the galaxy is. And now we're able to pick those areas where we can really live into. And it's not the question of do we do it successfully. This is really important. Please listen. We're not worried about if we do it successfully. We're just worried about did we do it faithfully. If I was to summarize it all and say, like, look, you know, what, what is this really asking? What is this really asking? Like, as you sit in each one of these three seats, what is, what's the question it's really asking you to sit with? And it's this. Ready? Let's say yes. Ready? Yes. yes. Here's your question. Did you show up? Did you show up? Good. Did you show up? You know, that, that I think is the question of vocation, like that you are a finited form of God's love and, 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 and you're not strong enough, but God is. And, and, and yep, the path will wind and yep, we're going to lose the plot. And yes, we're going to have times where we do stupid things, we end up fleeing. And even in all that, did you show up? Did you show up? Once we can start to sort of sit in that place and start to answer those questions and start to understand what, what faithfulness can actually be in our lives, we, we, life starts to come open and we start to be able to live with the fact that life is blessed and life is broken. We start to be able to live with both, which is so important if, if that vocation of your heart is going to come to life. You're going to have to be able to live with the light and the dark of our experiences, that it's not a straight line. It's not an American Idol contest. Years, decades, even eternity to live into it more and more. And with that, I want to introduce a very special speaker. A number of weeks ago, we did a service called Family and Addiction, and a number of people shared about their story, about how the path had wound for them, the winding path. I got a call from one of our incredible young adults who, who said, Chuck, you know what, I'd, I'd like to you know, actually say, say a little bit of my story. And you know, first off, it's always fun when I'm not volunteering someone and they're volunteering. And uh, it was just really special to have this conversation with this incredible young man. And, and he was telling me about his story, and it's a story of a winding path, blessed and broken. And hopefully as he shares this over the next few minutes, you can hear his life speaking you can hear the journey of faithfulness, not necessarily effectiveness. And maybe you get a sense of what it looks like when people start to show up for each other. I give you Andrew. Hi. Um, my name is Andrew. I'm 14 years old. I was born in Richboro, Pennsylvania. The, the series here is uh, Let Your Life Speak. And if I could let my life speak, it would be I grew up in a home filled with addictions. My dad was a drug addict for my whole life. And my mom is an alcoholic and has mental illnesses. Um, because my parents' drug addictions, I had it made me feel like no one cared about me. I got into trouble and started hanging out with bad kids. I got suspended from school at least 12 times every year. And if I didn't want to go to school, I didn't. And I never wanted to come home. 
I stayed at my friend's house for weeks at a time because of my parents. Most people think when they hear my story, they think of someone from the hood, but not my family. We lived in a nice suburban community, and my dad was a doctor. In the past year, my life has changed so much because my dad took his life because of his drug addiction. I had to leave my house. I lived at my friend's house. I stayed there for two weeks, then moved to my other friend's house for eight months. During that time, my mom went in and out of mental hospitals. So after living with my friend for eight months, I got a call saying I have to go to, I have to go to court about switching my living situation, because Children Youth decided it was a bad situation for me. They wanted to put me in a shelter group home. So I went, so I went to court, and they made the decision that I would be leaving my friend's house and living in a shelter. I was in the group home for two months. They wanted to move me out of the school district, and I would leave all my friends. Then, after a month and a half, I got a call from my caseworker that a family wanted to take me in. I didn't know them, and they didn't know me. It turns out it was a kid in my grade, Cole, and the Fiadinos. I moved in there and have been there since. So what I'm trying to say is that I want parents to know what can happen before they go to drugs. Because I wish my parents had someone to tell them that. I want people to know the sheer risk of drug use and how it affects others, other people around them, and not just themselves. So one of my goals is to let my life speak. I want to go around letting people know my story so I can help other parents before they take the road of drug use. Thank you for listening. I'm going to go with who says we're in trouble because of the youth of this world. You know, between Pat and him, boy, you know, like we can look at life and we can start to understand, right? We start to understand, like, can we show up? Can we show up for each other? Can we, can we show up? Can we ask those questions? Can we be faithful to the gifts that we have? Can we be faithful to the gifts of individuals? Can we be faithful with the gifts? Can we continue to reach and stretch and, and, and do those things that make a difference out there into the world? I mean, this is our choice. I think this is what church is about. Not a frozen chosen, but this group that continue to make these decisions and support those who do these wonderful, heroic, courageous things. So we're going to close today's service with a prayer. You're welcome to join me in prayer. I'm going to also offer the Lord's, uh, excuse me, you can say the Lord's prayer as you know it, or to have a moment of quiet reflection or to say your own prayer. So please join me. Actually, you know what? Let's stand up. We're going we're gonna to close on a song. Andrew's request that we all sing this last one together. So Lord, here we are standing in our lives. Here we are, Lord, trying to figure out what it means to live faithfully. 
thinking, Lord, not necessarily from facts, though they are important, Lord, but allowing our lives to be shaped by wisdom. Wisdom is the form that love takes. Allow us, Lord, to sense that vocation in our hearts. Lord, allow us to be patient as the path winds. Knowing that what may not make any sense to us today, Lord, in the bigger scale and in your loving arms, somehow all belongs, somehow fits, somehow will help us be who you intended us to be. Be with us on this journey, Lord. Help us to drift away in the arms of your providence, surrendered, trusting. Drifting away on your love, your path, your way. A path of simple faithfulness. path with this commitment. That we will, we will show up. We will show up in our lives. We'll show up in the lives of those we love. We'll show up in the lives who we don't even know that we will. We will show up. Bless that path. Bless Andrew and his path. Bless those who have taken care of him and take care of all of us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 